All right. Let's get rolling. Amy Meineke just asked me to announce. So next Saturday is this. I'm not even pretending I know what the name of this thing is. There's going to be a ton of donations to the food pantry. And at 11.30, they are looking for volunteers to help at the Methodist Church. It'll take about 90 minutes to sort through everything. Um, so if anybody is available or has questions or think they can help, even if it's for a short time, please talk to her. She knows all the details. I didn't know anything about it until just now. So, but she's looking, they're looking for help from all the churches that they can get um, because apparently there, there'll be something going out in the mail for food. They're going to come from the grocery store. I don't even know all the details. So see her, but apparently it's going to be a lot of work. So the more people that are there, the quicker that can get done. So anyway, so now I've done that, so I've officially fulfilled my duty there. So now we can get started. So last week we started this new series called In His Image. I began to look at this idea of what this even means. Because we have an idea or a concept of what it means, but we've never really dug into the Word. Now, if you've been around here for a while, I've discussed this. Uh, I've taught about it in some some ways and fashion, but not gone into as much depth as we're going to today. And this isn't a, a thing about creation. This is a piggyback off of the last series. And so let's start off in Genesis chapter 1, verse 20. It says, Then God said, Let the waters abound with an abundance of living creatures, and let birds fly above the earth across the face of the firmament of the heavens. So God created great sea creatures, and every living thing that moves with which the waters abounded according to their kind and every winged bird according to its kind and God saw that it was good and God blessed him saying be fruitful multiply fill the waters and the seas let the birds multiply on the earth so the evening and morning were the fifth day so we're starting on day five of creation days one two three and four was getting all the stuff together now he's beginning to fill it with life let's go to verse uh, 24 then God said let the earth bring forth the living creature according to its kind, cattle and creeping thing and beast of the earth, each according to its kind. And it was so. And God made the beast of the earth according to its kind, cattle according to its kind, and everything that creeps on the earth according to its kind. And God saw that it was good. Then God said, let us make man in our image according to our likeness. Let him have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, over the cattle and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth so God created man in his own image in the image of God he created him male and female he created them and as you begin to look into this and as, as a cursory reading of this you often will hear things well God we are made in the image of God we look like God and that may be true but we don't really know what God looks like we see people making claims on, oh, I've got a picture of an angel. I've got a picture, you hear, uh, of Mary. I, I, you know, she appeared on toast or Pop-Tart or whatever the latest thing is. And the thing is, is nobody has a picture of Mary. How do you know? Right? I mean, I had one time that, uh, I, I think it was, was it toast? It was something else. I can't remember what it was. But it looked like Gorbachev. I was pretty proud of that one. I tried selling it on eBay. It didn't go. That was many, many years ago. You know, he even had the, uh, the little thing on his head. and all. It was, it was fun. But when we begin to get in this, we're noticing a distinction here between man and every other living creature. Everything had life in it. But then as he got to man, he said, let us make man in our image. Okay? Don't get too hung up on the our part. We're focusing on what that means. 
Because it doesn't simply mean that we're going to look like Him or that we have reasoning senses and things like that, a conscience, if you will. That's not what it's talking about. What it's talking about here is that it can be translated as or to be as. It says this, let us create mankind to be our image. Let us create mankind as our image. It's this representative on the earth. How do we know that God created mankind to represent Him? Because He gave Him authority. And that's important to understand. Was it God's plan originally in the original creation for man to be in fellowship with God at all times? The answer is yes. We see that. You see this in other parts where God comes in the cool of the day. We have a lot of misnomers about Eden and all this other stuff. We'll get into a little bit of that today. Was it God's plan for man to rule and reign on the earth as his representative? Yes, it was. Was it God's plan for man to die? No, it wasn't. So there's something that takes place in this authority and this representation that changes it that ultimately God is going to bring back into play. So I, I showed you this last week to understand the word in. What I put say, put the dishes in the sink, it denotes the location. When it says I broke the dish in pieces, it denotes the result. I wrote the letter in pencil, denotes the instrument, and I work in medicine or accounting or education means that I work as a doctor, as an accountant. It denotes this role or this function. And that is what we're talking about. When we say we're created in God's image, we are created as His representative. He didn't say that to dogs or to cows or to birds. He said it to man. Now, you may look at somebody and be like, there's no way that was made in God's image. But, mankind had a special function. He was unique in all creation. You also think about this. He didn't say that to the angels. Created them. We are amazed by angels. But yet, to you and I, he made us in his image. You guys see where I'm going with this. I want you to get this. It's so important because when we talk about in the new covenant of our role and responsibility, we have to understand what the original design was. So let's go to verse 28 in Genesis chapter 1. It says, Then God blessed him, and God said to them, Be fruitful. And multiply, fill the earth and subdue it, have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, and over every living thing that moves on the earth. Now, he tells them to be fruitful, which is mean to do something, to multiply, which is to make more of you, and fill the earth and bring it into dominion. Eden was not the earth. It was not the entirety of the earth, and you're going to see that here in a minute. Eden was a portion, but man was to expand it, to expand across the globe, or depending on who you ask, the flat disk depends on who you ask okay but then he says i want you to have dominion over the fish of the sea over the birds of the air and over every living thing that moves on the earth so was there anything that man did not have dominion on over the on the earth no everything there was nothing so when it comes down to the earth man was to have dominion as god's representative you guys with me so far now when you go to genesis chapter 5 as we get into the genealogies that i know you all love to read it says this is the book of the genealogy of adam in the day that God created man, he made him in the likeness of God. He created them, male and female, and he blessed them and called them mankind in the day that they were created. And Adam lived 130 years and begot a son in his own likeness after his image and named him Seth. Now, isn't it interesting that it phrases it that way? Because the one thing that ha tends to happen 
is that when we look at this, like, okay, we're all created in God's image, but yet mankind had a unique ability to create something in their image. What does that mean? Not that they look like you. Sometimes they do. Sometimes there's people that you didn't make that look like you too. So it can't be that, right? I remember when I first had a son, okay? I like having a daughter. She's pretty okay in my book. I wasn't thrilled about it at first. I even tried to bribe the ultrasound tech. I'm like, you see boy parts in there, it's $20 bill, it's yours. That lady did not play along. I wanted a son. I don't do girly things. I'm not super emotional. I don't want frilly dresses and pink. And I'm like, oh, do you think this is pretty? No, I don't think any of it's pretty. I think it's expensive. That's what I think. So I needed boys in my life, and then I didn't get it. And then I had a daughter, and I'm like, this is pretty awesome. I really liked it. She was my buddy. We did everything together. And then here comes the son, okay? Now, at the time, I was pretty excited. There are days I regret that now. But I remember, it's like as I'm sitting there, and I'm holding him for the first time, it's like, I'm like, God, I've made man in my image after my likeness. And unfortunately, he acts just like his mother. So that screws things up. But anyway, but he begot a son in his own likeness after his image, which is unique. It never says that about anybody else. It never says that about any other creature. It doesn't say that about anything else. It is here he has created a son. He has acted just like God. Was he obedient to God's command here? Yes. This son was a representative of Adam. Just like your children are a representative of you. Sometimes we don't like to admit that. But they are. You hear that all the time. You'll hear people get real hung up on their last name. That's not how we do that. Those are not things that we do. So this idea of representation is throughout the Scriptures. Think about it this way, okay? We're not going to spend a ton of time in this part, but think about this. What was the nation of Israel? See, God had all these nations. He separated them at the Tower of Babel in Genesis chapter 10 and 11. We get into that. And then he separates Abraham and he takes the nation of Israel as his inheritance. And what were they supposed to do? Not be like the other nations. They're supposed to be separated. They were supposed to represent the goodness of God. How do you know how great is our God? Well, look at them. They just came through the Red Sea. That was kind of a big deal. And God kept on as I led you through from Egypt through the Red Sea. It goes time and time again. It got the attention of the world. How great is our God? You looked at them. They were supposed to be His representative. He didn't do so great all the time. Neither do we. So we get this concept. This isn't a new concept. This is an old concept. But we have to understand man's role and where it went wrong. That's the key. Is where it changed. Okay? And that's what we're going to focus on today. We're going to go a little bit of teaching today. Genesis chapter 2 verse 1. That comes right after Genesis chapter 1. Thus the heavens and the earth and all the hosts of them were finished. And on the seventh day God ended his work which he had done. And he rested on the seventh day from all his work which he had done. Then God blessed the seventh day and sanctified it because in it he rested from all his work which God had created and made. Now let me ask you, did God need a day off? Was God tired? No, of course not. Just like God did not need creation to find fulfillment. Okay? Understand that. This is setting something up. Verse 4, this is the history of the heavens and the earth and where they were created. In the day that the Lord God made the earth and the heavens, before any plant of the field was on the earth, and before any herb of the field had grown, for the Lord God had not caused it to rain on the earth, and there was no man to till the ground. But a mist went up from the earth and watered the whole face of the ground. And the Lord God formed man of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. 
and man became a living being. Now, again, there's a unique function here. He became a living being from the breath of God being breathed in him. Now, watch verse 8. The Lord God planted a garden eastward in Eden, and there he put the man whom he had formed. Understand this. Eden had locality. The garden of Eden had locality. In other words, the entire world was not this lush paradise. We don't know what it looked like. But we know that there was Eden. God creates everything. He plants a garden on the east part of Eden. And then what does He do? He puts man in it. That order matters. Let's go on. And out of the ground the Lord God made every tree that is pleasant to the sight and good for food. The tree of life was also in the midst of the garden and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Now a river went out of Eden to water the garden, and from there it parted and became four riverheads. The name of the first was Pishon. It is the one which skirts the whole land of Havilah, and, and where there is gold. And the gold of that land is good. Delium and the onyx stone are there. The name of the second river is Gahan. It is the one which goes around the whole land of Cush. The name of the third river is Hittichel. It is the one which goes towards the east of Assyria. The fourth river is the Euphrates. Watch verse 15. Then the Lord God took the man and put him in the garden of Eden to tend and keep it. Now, I'm going to hammer on this. Just bear with me a minute, okay? I want you to get the order. God creates everything. He creates man. He then plants the garden. He takes the man. He puts him in the garden. You guys with me so far? I want to make sure you get that. Keep that in mind. It does matter. Verse 16, the Lord God commanded the man, saying, Of every tree of the garden you may freely eat. But of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat. For in the day that you eat of it, you shall surely die. And the Lord said, It is not good that man should be alone. I will make him a helper comparable to him. And out of the ground the Lord God formed every beast of the field and every bird of the air and brought them to Adam to see what he would call them. And whatever Adam called each living creature, that was his name. Now that's interesting. Do you know what it means when you get to name something? You have some form of authority over it. Okay? When you named your children, why did you get to name them and not the government? Because you own them. You made them, they're your problem. You may name your car. Okay? You may name whatever. I mean, whatever it is. But it implies an authority here. Verse 20. Adam gave names to all cattle, the birds of the air, and every beast of the field. But for Adam, there was not found a helper comparable to him. And the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall on Adam, and he slept. And he took one of his ribs and closed up the flesh in his place. And then the rib which the Lord took, the Lord God had taken from man, and he made into a woman, and he brought her to him. And Adam said, Now this is bone of my, uh, bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She should be called woman, because she was taken out of man. Therefore a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. They were both naked, and the man and his wife were not ashamed. So what do we see here? Okay, God creates everything, creates man takes the man, puts him in the garden. The garden was planted later. It was on the east side of Eden. From there, Adam names all the animals, whatever they were. He named them. And then he forms his wife. Now, he gave him a command. What was the command? Don't eat of this tree. You eat all the other ones. Who was not there for that moment? His wife. She comes later. Okay? Now, let's go to chapter 3. There are three characters in chapter 3. You've got the serpent. You've got Adam. You've got Eve. Those three. All three have a part to play here. Now, what I'm going to show you today, and I want you to understand here, is that I believe that what we see here in Genesis chapter 3 is obviously where sin enters into the world. But I also believe that this is where we see Satan fall. 
This is the sin that brings them to fall. I'm going to show you this through Scripture, so just bear with me. I know we've got a lot of different beliefs. There's some like predetermined time, way in, in times past that he probably fell and he took a third of the angels and stuff. Guys, most of that does not come from Scripture. Most of that just comes from stories that have been told by generation to generation. We've never thought to look through it. The reason I'm telling you is that where we see the fall of Lucifer here is because it has to do with this authority that mankind once had. Now, let's go verse 1. Genesis chapter 3, verse 1. Now the serpent was more cunning than the beasts of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, Has God indeed said, You shall not eat of every tree of the garden? The woman said to the serpent, We may eat of the fruit of the trees of the garden, but the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God has said, You shall not eat of it, nor shall you touch it, lest you die. Now stop for a moment. Is that what God had said? No, it's not what God had said. She was not there when God said it. He said you should not eat of it. He didn't say anything about touching it. Now, that's probably a good husband telling his wife, like, listen, don't even touch the stupid thing, okay? Just stay away from it. It's kind of like, you, you understand this. Car rides with children, right? You can hurt them by pinching them or whatever. That's bad. But don't even touch them. In fact, don't even look at them. In fact, don't even breathe the same air as them, okay? In fact, let's just get a second car and let's just end this right now. Verse 4. Then the serpent said to the woman, You will not surely die, for God knows that in the day you eat of it, your eyes will be opened, and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. Now, the serpent is making what? He's making a truth claim. He is declaring that that's not what God said. Was it what God has said? To a degree it was. She didn't say anything that was wrong. If you don't touch it, then you can't eat of it, and problem solved. But when the serpent says, you'll not die, God's withholding from you something that will make you more like Him. So look what she does. When the woman saw that the tree was good for food, that it was pleasant to the eyes, and a tree desirable to make one wise, she took of its fruit and ate. She also gave to her husband with her, and he ate. Now where was he? He was there. So the old videos were... She was there and she ate and then she went and found him later. He was right there. Now what should he have done in that situation? Smack that dang apple out of her hand. Probably wasn't an apple. It was a kumquat. I don't know. Yeah. But he didn't. What happened? What got her? He made a claim that was contrary to what God had said. And then she looks at it and she's like, well, it's good for food. There were a lot of trees that were good for food. There was no bad tree. They didn't have to worry about frost that ruined your apricots and your peaches, right? It was pleasant to the eyes. Well, so were the, all the other trees. But a tree desirable to make one wise. You see, she began to compromise. She began to think in her mind, you know, this is going to give me something that I don't have. It's confirming something in her mind that she wanted. And her husband was not being her husband. He had authority over her. How do we know? He named her. Okay? He didn't do his job. Verse 7, Then the eyes of both of them were opened, and they knew that they were naked, and they sewed fig leaves together and, got, and made themselves covering. And they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden of the cool of the day, and Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. And the Lord God called to Adam and said, Where are you? So he said, I heard your voice in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked, and I hid myself. And he said, who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten from the tree which I commanded you not to eat? 
The man said, the woman whom you gave to be with me, she gave me of the tree and I ate. You know, that's a true statement. That's exactly what happened, right? And the Lord said to the woman, what is this you have done? And the woman said, the serpent deceived me and I ate. Another true statement. No ownership, but another true statement. Verse 14. So the Lord God said to the serpent, because you have done this, you are cursed more than all cattle more than every beast of the field. On your belly you shall go and you shall eat dust all the days of your life. I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your seed and her seed. He shall bruise your head and you shall bruise his heel. We'll come back to that. To the woman he said, I will greatly multiply your sorrow and your conception. In pain you shall bring forth children. Your desire shall be for your husband and he shall rule over you. And then Adam, he said, because you have heeded the voice of your wife and have eaten from the tree of which I commanded you, saying you shall not eat of it. Cursed is the ground for your sake. In toil you shall eat of it all the days of your life. But thorns and thistles it shall bring forth for you. And you shall eat the herb of the field. And in the sweat of your face you shall eat bread till you return to the ground. For out of it you were taken. For dust you are, and dust you shall return. And Adam called his wife's name Eve, because she was the mother of all living. And also for Adam and his wife the Lord God made tunics of skin and clothed them. And the Lord said, Behold, the man has become like one of us, to know good and evil. Now, lest he put his hand and take also the tree of life and eat and live forever. Therefore, the Lord God sent him out of the garden of Eden to till the ground from which he was taken. So he drove out the man. He placed a cherubim out of the east of the garden of Eden and a flaming sword, which turned every way to guard the way to the tree of life. Now, as I told you, this is my belief that we see the fall of man and the fall of Satan happening in the same thing. There is nothing anywhere in scripture that talks about Satan falling at a predetermined time something that happened prehistorically or whatever else. There's nothing has said that. That has been presupposed. It's been said so much that we've simply accepted it. We've never asked the question. But the question here that we are dealing with is that why, if this is true, that this is simply a serpent being a snake, and you got a man, why did a cherubim, which is a large angel, need to guard to keep Adam and Eve and a snake out? A flaming sword seems a little overkill. Okay? Just get you a good dog. That's all you need. So when we talk about the serpent, as I told you, I do not believe that this is a talking snake, as some have presupposed. Or, or some have said that this was a snake, but it had legs, and then its legs came off, and it crawled on its belly. Okay? I don't think that at all. The Hebrew word here for the word serpent is nakash, N-A-C-H-A-S-H. Now, when it's used as a noun, it does mean serpent. It can be used to mean literally a serpent. But when it's used as a verb... It's used to mean deceiver or diviner. And when it's used as an adjective, it means shining one. Now, do those two definitions sound familiar to any other passage of Scripture? Of course it does. Of course it does. You see, we know that Lucifer fell. We know why he fell. The question is, when did he fall and what happened at that moment? So let's go over to Isaiah chapter 14. There's Isaiah 14 and Ezekiel 28 you want to look at. Isaiah 14 verse 12 says, how you are fallen from heaven, O Lucifer son of the morning. Now I've told you this before Lucifer isn't necessarily a proper name, but it, it means shining one remember the adjective for sh- uh, Nakash means shining one, it means the exact same thing how you are cut to the ground you who weaken to the nations, isn't that interesting, on your belly you shall go and eat dust all the days of your life you who have been cut down to the ground. It's the same type of phrase. Okay? For you have said in your heart, here it is, I will ascend into heaven. I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. 
I will also sit on the mount of the congregation on the farthest sides of the north. I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. I will be like the most high. Yet you shall be brought down to Sheol to the lowest depths of the pit. So we see these five I will statements that are made here. When did he sit up and declare those? He never stood up and declared those things. Where did he say that he said it? For you have said in your heart. Okay? So you have to understand something. He was an angelic being. Is an angelic being. Okay? And he was created when? Well, according to the book of Job, it was before the cornerstone was laid because these sons of God sang at the foundation being laid. Now, we see here, he said, you, son of the morning, you are cut down to the ground because you have said in your heart, I will ascend into heaven. I will exalt my throne above the stars of God, which would be everywhere, okay? This is also a reference to angelic beings. I will sit on the mount of the congregation on the farthest side of the north. This is an authority position. You've got to understand, he's talking about Eden here because Eden was the domain of God. This is where God's kingdom was established. I will ascend above the heights of the cloud. I will be like the Most High. Now, what was the temptation that he told Eve? You will be like God, knowing good and evil. What did he say in his heart? I will be like the Most High. Now, you're probably sitting here and asking yourself this question, and it's a fair one. Why would anybody ever make that statement? Why would you even think that this was possible? This is God who created everything. How can you possibly believe that you can overthrow them? The answer to that is, I don't know. Okay? But this is the reasoning for the fall. But it didn't tell us the timing. It didn't tell us much more. It just simply told us what he had said in his heart. Now, let's go to Ezekiel chapter 28. Verse 11, moreover, the word of the Lord came to me saying, son of man, take up a lamentation for the king of Tyre and say to him, thus says the Lord God. Now, I'm telling you here, bear with me, you'll see this in a minute, but this is a reference to Lucifer. It says, you were the seal of perfection. You were full of wisdom and perfect in beauty. You were in Eden, the garden of God. Now, when was Eden planted? Genesis chapter 2 verse 8, look at it again. The Lord God planted a garden eastward in Eden, and there he put the man whom he had formed. Verse 15. Then the Lord God took the man and put him in the garden of Eden to tend and keep it. That means that if Lucifer was there, he was there when man was there. Fair enough. And if this was the domain of God, is it possible that Adam and Eve would have seen the other created beings walking around in the garden? It's at least possible. Okay? But this was the domain of God. Eden did not exist prior to day six. God planted the garden eastward in Eden. He put the man in it. Now, look at this again. Verse 13. You were in Eden, the garden of God. Every precious stone was your covering. The sardius, topaz, diamond, beryl, onyx, jasper, sapphire, turquoise, and the emerald with gold. The workmanship of the timbrels and pipes, uh, pipes was prepared for you on the day you were created. We know this is a created being. You were the anointed cherub who covers. Okay, what's a cherub? It's an angel. What's anointed? Set apart. I establish you. You were on the holy mountain of God. You walked back and forth in the midst of the fiery stones. You were perfect in your ways from the day you were created until iniquity was found in you. When was iniquity found in him? It seems to imply here that he was in Eden, perfect in all his ways until the sin was found. I will ascend my throne above the Most High. You guys with me so far? 
See, I'm not making this up. This is what it says. Okay? You can't be perfect if you fell at a predetermined time, some way in, in centuries past, and then you just kind of appeared as a snake or possessed a snake. Okay? Let's go on. Verse 16. By the abundance of your trading, you became filled with violence within and you sin. Now, the abundance of trading, I've talked about this before, but this would be like if, if I were selling a car for you, okay, you say, I need $2,000 for this car. And I get somebody, I get a buyer who said, okay, I'll give you the two grand. But you gave me a little wiggle room. You said, all right, I got to have a minimum of seventeen fifty. Okay? If I accept $2,000 for that car, who does that money belong to? It belongs to her. But if I say, hey, good news, I got you 1800 I know the floor was $1,750, but I got you $1,800. What did I just do? I took something from myself that, as a representative of her, belonged to her. Okay? That's the abundance of trading. He was receiving something that belonged to God. It is implied because of the different instruments, and it talks about this, that perhaps that was worship. Okay? By the abundance of your trading, you became filled with violence within, and you sinned. So therefore, I cast you as a profane thing. Out of the mountain of God, and I destroyed you, O covering cherub, from the midst of the fiery stone. Your heart was lifted up because of your beauty. You corrupted your wisdom for the sake of your splendor. I cast you to the ground. I laid you before kings that they might gaze at you. Now, here's the thing. Understand this. What did they watch when creation was going on? They watched everything. Here, they were created first, and apparently he was very beautiful. And apparently he was a position of authority, if you will. And then they're all here as God creates the earth in this garden, all of that. And then God creates everything for man, for that, out of dirt. Were the angels made out of dirt? No. At least not to our knowledge. To our knowledge, dirt didn't exist yet. You see, here it is. Because of his pride, he's looking at this man. He's like, wait a minute. You're giving that authority to them? That thing there that looks nothing like me, that can't do what I can do. You see, there's this pride. The thing is, as you'll begin to understand, is that at the root of every single sin is an element of pride. There's not one that exists that doesn't have that at some point. That is why the Bible talks about pride comes before the fall, things like that. That's why when you're wrong and you refuse to forgive, you know why you refuse to forgive? You're too proud. You want to get even. You want to get them. It always goes back to that. So we see here that he was in the garden. What I'm showing you is the idea of the serpent being there and the serpent being Lucifer are one and the same. Now go to 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 1. It says, Oh, that you would bear with me in a little folly. And indeed you do bear with me, for I am jealous for you with godly jealousy. For I betroth you to one husband, that I may present you as a chaste virgin to Christ. But I fear, lest somehow, watch, as a serpent deceived Eve, by his craftiness, so your minds may be corrupted from the simplicity that is in Christ. For if he who comes preaches another Jesus, whom we have not preached, or if you receive a different spirit which you have not received, or a different gospel which you have not accepted, you may well put up with it. Now what did the serpent do? He deceived Eve by his craftiness to do what? Get her to think about God differently. What's the whole context here? It's the same thing. If they bring another gospel, they preach another Jesus, don't listen to them. Go to Revelation chapter 12, verse 7. It says, and war broke out in heaven. Michael and his angels fought with the dragon. And the dragon and his angels fought, but they did not prevail, nor was a place found in them in heaven any longer. So the great dragon was cast out. That serpent of old called the devil and Satan, 
who deceives the whole world. He was cast to the earth and his angels were cast out with him. You guys see a trend happening? I'm telling you that this is the same figure from the very beginning as the serpent. And according to Revelation 12, it's the serpent of old, the devil, Satan, the adversary. Here he gets cast out of heaven. Okay? Don't get too hung up on that stuff right now. What I'm showing you is that the fall of Satan and man took place at the same time. Look at Genesis chapter 3, verse 6 again. It says, So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, that it was pleasant to the eyes, and the tree desirable to make one wise, she took of his fruit and ate. She also gave to her husband with her, and he ate. And the eyes of both of them were open, and they knew that they were naked. And they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves covering. Now, what happens here? What is the net result of this? Because, yeah, they sin, and death enters the world because of sin, and all of this other stuff takes place. But there was something else that apparently happened that is not clearly stated, but is implied throughout the entirety of Scripture. Look at 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 1. Therefore, since we have this ministry, as we receive mercy, we do not lose heart. But we have renounced the hidden things of shame, not walking in craftiness, nor handling the word of God deceitfully, but by manifestation of the truth, committing ourselves to every man's conscience in the sight of God. But even if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing. Now watch. Whose minds the God of this age has blinded, who do not believe, lest the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine on them. Who is the God of this age? How did he get to that position? How did he have authority to do anything? He didn't take it from man. It was handed to him. You see, that's the part we have to understand. What was God's original intent? Man would have authority on the earth. What I'm showing you, and we'll go into this more next week, is man handed that authority over. And from that day on, the enemy has authority to do certain things. I'll show you this next week, but think about Matthew chapter 4. When he is tempting Jesus, he says, if you'll fall and worship me, I'll give you all the kingdoms that you see. You can't give what you don't have. So just think about that. And then what did Jesus come to do to bring it full circle? Okay? Chew on that. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you that it is true, and we thank you that you are good. And Lord, I just pray that you are opening our hearts in a way that we can fully understand and grasp who we are in you. That we are truly made in your image and in your likeness to represent you on the earth, Lord. And I thank you that each and every day is a day that we take that seriously. No matter what it is we're doing, no matter where it is that we are, I just thank you, Lord, that we are doing it for you. Whether we're at work, whether we're at home, we are living to bring glory to you. And we thank you for that. It's in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you guys. Have a great week. See you soon.